Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Carmen Pugliafito. I'm pleased to have with us today Dr. Ivan Sunier. I've met Ivan when he was chief of the Veterans Administration Medical Center in Miami Ophthalmology Service and assistant professor at Baskin Palmer. And after he left Baskin Palmer, he went to <clears throat> Duke University, where he was an associate professor. So he has a long and deep academic heritage moved back to Florida and is with the Retina Associates of Florida in Tampa. Ivan, welcome to Retina Synthesis. Thank you for having me, Carmen. It's a, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you. Yeah. So you presented at the Macula Society <laughs> the 15-year results of a structured interval approach for the treatment of neovascular AMD. And I think it's extraordinary that we have 15-year follow-up on any of these patients. So tell us a little the, the story of how this, this study got going and then describe it. Sure. So this was actually the brainchild of the founders of Retina Associates of Florida, Sandy Grizzard and Mark Hammer. And they began collecting these patients when Lucentis first came out. So it was basically patients from 2006 to 2007 that had new wet AMD diagnosis and were not seasonal patients. So the snowbirds were tossed out because they had no control over the patients. And so they basically began with every month injections for the first year and really did not uh, divert from that over the, the majority of the time that we were observing the patients. So I joined the practice in 2009 and we again maintained this collection of patients uh, through this time. And so we first published uh, the seven year data in 2005, 2015 in ophthalmology journal. And we had 145 patients that had gone through the, the seven year collection period. And so these patients, of course, at the beginning of wet AMD therapy, vision was quite poor. So their baseline vision was average of 20 over 125. And uh, through the seven years, they actually gained 13 letters through that time period. Now in that seven year period, they averaged about 10.4 injections per year so again, very intense in the first couple of years, every four weeks, and then averaging out to about every six weeks. And this was pretty notable at the point, at the point because there were two other uh, series of seven-year data. One was a seven-up study. That was the extension study from the Lucentis trials. And in this uh, cohort of patients, they actually had lost 8.6 letters of vision uh, at the seven-year mark, but they were averaging about two letter, two injections per year after they came out of the studies. There was also the Gilly study from Australia, and they also had seven-year data, and they lost 2.6 letters at that seven-year period. And so they were averaging about five injections per year. And so again, this, this data is pretty consistent with the work that Tom Chula has published looking at the IRIS database, uh, looking at patient results with the frequency of injections. So again, we had the seven-year data, but now we have 15 years of data, which is pretty interesting. How long, how long was the treatment interval? I mean, in other words, how many years were these patients treated? So again, these were uh, getting injections every four weeks for the first two years at least. And then this went on for close to 15 years. And actually, when we look at the 15-year year data, that'll give you a better idea of what was happening with the treatment intervals. Because in the first five years, they were averaging about 10.4 injections per year. 
years five through 10, it was still about 10 injections per year. And then years 10 through 15, it was down to 8.4, but still a pretty high frequency of injection. So how many patients started and what was the dropout? Like? Yeah, so we began with 145 patients at the seven year mark. And then we, we went down to about 65 at the 10 year mark. And now at 15, we're left with 35. And in that gap, 94 passed away. About 13 moved away, mostly to assisted living facilities that were not accessible to us after that. And then three others were just lost to follow up and we could not really track them down. So a lot of dropout, but again, their average age at the beginning was about 72. So over that time, again, you expect uh, some to, to be deceased, but still pretty good retention for that time interval. So some of the patients uh, were treated every eight weeks with a flibercept, is that correct? Well, during the study, again, they all began on Lucentis, that was what was available. And then during the study, about a third of them were being switched to different therapies from a flibercept uh, to a Vastin or back to Lucentis, just because again, they were uh, beginning to have accumulation of fluid on the OCT or losing vision. The interesting thing is some of the ones that went from Lucentis uh, to a, a flibercept and then end up going back to Lucentis did quite well. So I think just the switching effect had a pretty good uh, benefit for these patients. So what's the implication in terms of treat and extend? Sure. I can't draw any conclusions about treat and extend for this data because again, it's pretty intensive therapy. But I will tell you that uh, from, the, from the results of the data, 40% did retain 24-year be better vision at 15 years. So how that compares to treat and extend, I really can't tell you. But again, the fear that people would lose vision from high intensity of injections uh, is not there. I mean, I think they, they can retain very good vision. Uh, the geographic atrophy rate actually was about 29%, which is fairly consistent with the AREDS data. But I think also is interesting in this data set is the fellow eyes of these patients, because we all know the study patients had intensive therapy, but what happened to the study eyes? And so, I mean, the fellow eyes. So the fellow eyes are interesting because 20 of them began with either early dry or intermediate dry. 13 already had discoform scars and two of them already had GA. So again, about half of them already had advanced uh, macular degeneration, either discoform scars or GA. Well, that the, the 20 patients that had just dry to begin with are interesting because seven of them, of them stayed in the dry category. However, uh, uh, five of them did progress to GA. So about a quarter went on to GA despite never having any injections. So pretty comparable to the high intensity study group. And two out of the uh, eight of them went on to wet. Uh, of those eight that went from dry to wet, two of those went on to GA as well. So also about a quarter. So no matter how you shake it, either the, the high intensity study eyes or the ones that were purely dry that went on to GA, it was a pretty similar rate of progression to geographic atrophy. So the fear that too many injections causes geographic atrophy, I think is really not, does not quite bear out with this data. How this compares to treat and extend, again, that's a different question that I really can't answer from the data set. But the importance of this data set, though, is that now we're in the advent of gene therapy and port delivery system, which are, again, continuous therapy through these platforms. And so, again, that fear that too much therapy may lead to GA is, is just not there. I think these are independent disease processes. And so they can end up in one or both of these uh, end results 
no matter what their injection frequency is and no matter what their initial condition is. Well, that's a very important observation. Um, what's your current treatment algorithm for neovascular AMD? So for neovascular AMD, again, all kinds of things are happening. So we, we still begin, we think that first year of therapy is very crucial. And some of this is due to even beginning in this practice in 2009, the folks that came down as snowbirds, as seasonal patients, the ones that had the bad bleeds were all in the first year. They were delayed coming down either due to transportation issues or whatnot. So I think that the biggest danger of a significant bleed outside of being on anticoagulants is that first year. We're still pretty aggressive in that first year. Beyond that, I think there's a lot of different options available now, including uh, vobisma, which again, uh, has shown to have very good efficacy with a longer treatment interval. So the idea is kind of staying fairly close to label, but no doubt treat extend is still a viable treatment option. But I think that first year is so crucial that we're basically very aggressive still in that first year. We're a little bit more lax now the second year on. And so I think treat extend may be a reasonable paradigm for those patients as well. Yeah, with Vobismo, <clears throat> there's lots of discussion of the so-called personalized treatment interval. What do you think about that? So the, the PTI or personalized treatment interval was done in the diabetic macular edema group. Mm -hmm. And so that we have pretty good information. They did extend by four week intervals, which is quite a big extension. We're used to extending by one or two week intervals. So that's a pretty good extension. Uh, and they still did quite well in the diabetic macular edema data. In the wet AMD data, they had a different regimen where basically they were assessed at various intervals and basically locked in to a treatment uh, interval. So as an example, they came in at week 20. If they had activity, they were now locked into every week injections. Then they came every, in four weeks later. Every week, I mean, you meant every- Four oh, weeks. Every four weeks, right. So, and they came back at week 24. If they had no activity, then would, they would go on to every 16 week intervals for the rest of that year. If they did have activity, they're going through a 12 week uh, interval. So they were kind of locked in at this window of 20 to 24 weeks into a treatment group throughout the first year. So that, they really didn't apply the, the PTI for wet AMD. We did see it for diabetic macular edema, but I do think that it does show that there is variability in patient uh, activity or VEGF burden. And so again, every patient is not the same. They may require less or more of these agents uh, or the treatment interval. Uh, but I do think that that first year is quite quite important in terms of preventing those big hemorrhages that lead to irreversible vision loss. Uh, but I do think that with these other options of Vibismo, we're now looking at, again, port delivery system. When, it, when the pause is removed, we go back to it. These patients do very well at six-month refills and maybe even longer. The median uh, refill time in the wet AMD phase two trial was actually 16 months. So again, all these options are providing sustained delivery of uh, VEGF inhibition and maybe, again, also ANG2 inhibition. And so, it, again, it's important to see that there is safety in the data that we're presenting with the FIDO study, that the fear of progressing to geographic atrophy from uh, sustained inhibition is really just not there. It doesn't bear out from the data. Yeah. There was lots of discussion about that, tremendous discussion about the effects of overtreatment in the CAT trial, for instance. Right. Said that monthly lucentis was a risk factor for geographic atrophy. But your study indicates that's not so. 
that actually there's also different definitions of geographic atrophy. I think what we're seeing in some of those patients in the CAT trial was actually the neovascular complex drying out and may not be on histopathology the same as geographic atrophy in true uh, untreated patients. So I think there might be different definitions of what we are seeing uh, phenotypically in these patients when the neovascular complex dries out, the fluid and the blood are gone, that may appear similar on some of the imaging technologies to geographic atrophy. So there is some controversy about that as well. And so again, I think we're left with, this, these patients have more of a risk, I think, of losing vision from undertreatment than the fear of overtreatment of these patients with VEGF suppression. Well, we should salute the founders of your practice for starting this study. And I'd like to congratulate you for following through on this because I don't think there's a study out there that has 15 years of neovascular AMD treatment results. Is there? There, there is not, and especially with consistent dosing like this. I think we're, we're, we'll be seeing data that will be published or, or uh, presented, but it's really a mishmash of different treatment intervals. And it's very difficult to really gain any insight when there's no uh, treatment interval is consistent to really be able to gain information. But again, this shows kind of the almost the, the limits of, of treatment with anti-VEGF agents and still showing fairly good results at 15 years. Listen, congratulations, Ivan. Great having you on Retina Synthesis. I know you're a subscriber, so thanks. Yes, sir. And we'll have you back soon. All right. Thanks so much, Carmen. Appreciate it.